Chapter 7 Longing for Jesus During Trials I know that my Redeemer lives, and He shall stand at last on the earth. Job 19.25 When Philip recognized Jesus was the Messiah, he told Nathanael, We have found Him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. John 1.45 The law and the prophets is a New Testament way to refer to the Old Testament. Philip understood Jesus was the Messiah because the Old Testament is about Him. Jesus taught this too. Luke 24.27 Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning Himself. Luke 22.44 Jesus said, All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Hebrews 10.7 Jesus said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. How is the Old Testament about Jesus? First, there are around 350 prophecies that he fulfilled. Second, he is revealed through shadows. Hebrews 10.1 The law was only a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. ESV Colossians 2.16 and 17 A festival or a new moon or Sabbaths are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Shadows provide an idea of what something looks like without completely revealing the object, which is what the Old Testament does with Jesus. Additionally, seeing a shadow is evidence there is something, or in this case, someone, casting it. Nobody looks at the shadow of a tree or car and thinks it is a tree or car because shadows have no substance. They are not the reality. In the language of Hebrews 10.1 and Colossians 2.17, the reality is found in Christ. He is the substance. Job longed for someone during his trials, and his words provide some of the greatest revelation of the Messiah in the Old Testament. Although Job did not have the revelation of Jesus that we have, he still looked forward to him in faith. Centuries later, Jesus would reveal himself to be the reality and substance of Job's words. A Mediator Job longed for a person to stand between him and God. Job 9, 1 and 2. Then Job answered and said, Truly I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? This is one of the most important questions people can ask. In the following verses, he answered his question and explained why a man cannot be righteous before God. Job 9, 3 and 4. If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and prospered? Nobody can stand before God and respond to his questions. Job learned this the hard way when he was finally given his audience. At the end of the chapter, he explained the problem and necessary solution. Job 9, 32 and 33 For he is not a man, as I am, that I may answer him, and that we should go to court together. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. He needed a mediator to stand between God and him. And 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God 
and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The words, lay his hand on us both, refer to bringing people together, which is how it is translated in some Bibles. Job was looking for someone to reconcile him to God, and 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Job 9.34 Let him, the mediator, take his, God's, rod away from me, and do not let dread of him terrify me. A rod administers punishment, and Job wanted the mediator to take away the judgment he deserved. Isaiah 53.5 says, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Job 9.35 Then I would speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. Job could approach God confidently if the mediator did what he described, but he knew that had not been done for him. Jesus has done this for us, though. We have boldness and access to God with confidence through faith in Jesus. Ephesians 3.12 Job longed for the mediator during his trials, and he is available to us when we suffer. Jesus allows us to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16 An Advocate Job longed for someone to plead his case. Job 16.19 Surely even now my witness is in heaven, and my evidence is on high. A witness speaks on behalf of someone else, and that is what Job wanted. He knew there was someone to testify on his behalf, and he even knew this person was in heaven on high. Job 16.20 and 21 my friends scorn me, my eyes pour out tears to God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God, as a man pleads for his neighbor. Job lost everything. Even his friends became his accusers. It would not be too much to say that he was the loneliest man in the world. In the face of so much desertion and criticism, he wanted someone on his side. He knew there was an advocate to defend him the way a man pleads for his neighbor. When Job knew he did not have anyone else, he knew he had this person. Even if we feel as though we have lost everything, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 1 John 2, 1 When we suffer, He is even at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. Romans 8, 34 if we feel as though we do not have anyone or anything else, we still have Jesus. A Redeemer Job longed for someone to deliver him out of his suffering. Job 19, 25-27 For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me! Job knew his Redeemer was alive, and he would stand on the earth at the end of time. Satan struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Job 2.7 Job said, My flesh is caked with worms and dust, my skin is cracked and breaks out afresh. Job 7.5. His flesh was in terrible shape, but he knew after it was destroyed, 
he would see God in his flesh. How could Job see God in his flesh if his flesh was destroyed? He expected to receive a new body, which 1 Corinthians 15, 51-53 describes. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, earthly bodies, must put on incorruption, glorified bodies, and this mortal, earthly bodies, must put on immortality, glorified bodies. Job said he would see his Redeemer with his own eyes, and he knew this meant seeing God himself. Jesus, the Redeemer, is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1 Following the Incarnation, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. John 10.30 Our flesh will be destroyed, but we too will receive new bodies and see God for ourselves. Despite Job's suffering, these thoughts were still enough to cause his heart to yearn within him. He was overwhelmed as he looked forward in faith to being redeemed. Our joy should be even greater, considering we have been redeemed. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 Even during the worst trials, the redemptive work of Christ should cause our hearts to yearn within us for Him. Finding Peace, Longing for Jesus What about someone not recorded in Scripture, someone who applied the truths of God's Word to his trials? Horatio Spafford, 1828-1888, was a devout Christian and wealthy Chicago lawyer. He had a thriving legal practice, a beautiful home, a wife, four daughters, and a son. In 1871, at the height of his financial and professional success, Horatio lost his young son to pneumonia. Later that year, the Great Chicago Fire destroyed most of the real estate investments he owned. Two years later, Horatio wanted to give his wife, daughters, and himself time to recover from the tragedies they experienced. They decided they would take a vacation in England where he could visit his friend D.L. Moody and hear him preach. Horatio was delayed because of business, so he sent his wife and daughters ahead, letting them know he would join them a few days later. His wife traveled with their four daughters. Tanetta was two, Elizabeth was seven, Margaret was nine, and Anna was eleven. A few days later, on November 22, 1873, Horatio received the news that another vessel struck the ship his wife and daughters were on, and 226 people lost their lives, including Horatio's four daughters. Only his grieving wife survived. Horatio sailed to England to see her, and as he traveled near the location of his daughter's deaths, he was inspired to write the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Part of it reads, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. What allowed Horatio to have peace during such an excruciating time? 
First, he reflected on the work Christ accomplished for him and the forgiveness of his sins. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Like Job, whose heart yearned within him as he thought about his Redeemer, so was Horatio overwhelmed by the glorious thought of his redemption. As much as he considered what Jesus had done for him in the past, he also thought about seeing him in the future. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Horatio knew this suffering was temporary, and one day he would be with his Savior. Regardless of the trial we experience, reflecting on what Jesus has done for us, and looking forward to being with him in the future, can give us peace during any suffering. Job a type of the true and greater intercessor. After Job suffered, he served as one of the clearest types of Christ in the Old Testament. Job longed for his mediator, advocate, and redeemer throughout his trials, and then he became a picture of that person to his friends. Job 42, 7 and 8 records, And so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. How could God's wrath against Job's friends be turned away? This was hundreds of years before the Mosaic Law instituted the sacrificial system. But even then, it was clear an offering needed to be made for sin. Seven is the number of completion, which means Job's offering pictured a perfect sacrifice on his friend's behalf. God did not treat Job's friends according to their folly, which is to say, they did not receive the punishment they deserved. They avoided judgment because of Job's intercession for them. Similarly, God's wrath is against us, but Jesus offered a perfect sacrifice on our behalf. We do not receive the punishment our sins deserve. We avoid judgment because of Jesus' intercession for us. Job 42.9 says, So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite, went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. Job's friends did not accept him, but in verse 8 God said, I will accept Job. And now it says God accepted Job. Those closest to Job rejected him, like those closest to Jesus rejected him. But God accepted Job on their behalf, like God accepts Jesus on our behalf. Job 42.11 then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. 
and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Job was rejected by his family, but then accepted by them, like Jesus was first rejected by his family and then accepted by them. Job experienced suffering and humiliation, but then blessing and exaltation. Jesus experienced suffering and humiliation, but he will experience blessing and exaltation as described in Philippians 2, 7-11. Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Job's friends honored him because of what he did for them. How much more honor should we give Christ because of the greater work he did for us as our mediator, advocate, and redeemer? Jesus, the only innocent, righteous sufferer. The first two chapters of the book of Job contain what could be the greatest description of an individual in all of Scripture, second only to Christ himself. Job 1.1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. When God spoke to Satan about Job, he said, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Job 1.8 After Satan destroyed Job's animals, servants, and children, God repeated to Satan what he had previously said and added, Still, he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him, to destroy him without cause. Job 2.3 Job's description contributes to the main struggle people have with the account. If Job looked like a terrible sinner who had it coming, there would be no dilemma. Instead, people ask, how could God let an innocent, righteous man experience such terrible suffering? Despite Job's character, he was still a sinner. There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10 We saw some ways Job's trials revealed his weaknesses. There has only been one perfectly righteous, innocent sufferer, and that is Jesus. The Gospels go to great lengths throughout his trials to reveal this. Matthew 27, 19 Pilate's wife said, Have nothing to do with that just man. Matthew 27, 24 Pilate said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. Luke 23, 41 one of the criminals on the cross next to Jesus said, This man has done nothing wrong. Luke 23:47. The centurion said, Certainly, this was a righteous man. Job suffered and then saved his friends. But he looked forward to the man who suffered and saved his friends in the true and greater sense. Job suffered, but Jesus suffered for the sins of others. Job offered a sacrifice for his friends but Jesus offered the one sacrifice that provided eternal life. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God.
Hebrews 10.12. Job saved his friends physically and temporarily, but Jesus saves his friends spiritually and eternally. Questions Number 1. During trials, how can you be encouraged thinking about the mediator, advocate, and redeemer you have in Jesus? Number 2. What other roles does the Lord fill that can encourage you during trials? For examples, look at Psalm 18:2, 27:1, and 144:1 verses 1 and 2. Number 3. How can longing for Jesus give you peace during trials? Number 4. Do you see any other ways Job served as a type of Christ? If so, list them. Number 5. In what ways is Jesus the true and greater intercessor? and the only innocent righteous sufferer. Number six, can you think of other examples in Scripture of individuals who served as a type of Christ during their suffering?